Welcome to all of you that are here with us at First Baptist Church. Those of you that are watching online, we are super glad that you have chosen to join us. Join us today for a joyous Sunday. It's our third Advent Sunday, and we're celebrating joy. We're looking at God's promises, hope, peace, joy, and love. And those were also the gifts of Christmas, the things that God gave us through His Son, Jesus Christ. All of these promises were fulfilled in our Savior. And that's why we celebrate. That's why we've come together today, and that's why we come together every Sunday. We're going to celebrate the goodness of God in His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus meets all of our deepest longings. He's the hope, not only for our future, but for our present today. In the second week of Advent, we looked at the promises of peace that was given to the lowly shepherds. There would be a new government coming to bring peace to the entire world. And unfortunately, the nation of Israel thought that was coming right then. But we know that Jesus is coming back again, and that's when he's ushering that millennial kingdom of peace. Today we're looking at our third theme of Advent, joy. And we have celebrated already this morning with beautiful, joyful music. Thank you again, Mark and students, for that. Christmas is truly a wonderful time of year. This is my humble living room. I love decorating for Christmas. Our house is not one where we have to wait for mom to get out the Christmas decorations. Uh, John and I were doing that early. We were getting things ready, putting up the tree. We had some of our kids home for Thanksgiving, and so on the day after Thanksgiving, we were able to start decorating our home. I love eating cookies. I love baking cookies. I love eggnog. I love everything about this season, the lights, the music. What I love most as I have gotten older is being able to share that with other people, especially as you become a parent or maybe a grandparent, an aunt or an uncle. You look forward to giving gifts and seeing the joy on the faces of those that you've given a gift to. And that becomes even more exciting than wondering what's under the tree for yourself. I can't wait to share that joy with other people. When Cindy, my wife, says we are done shopping, I usually want to go out again and make sure that the stockings are overflowing on the mantle, that there are lots of gifts under the tree. And even though we talked about a budget earlier, I just kind of forget about that as we get closer to Christmas because I just love giving gifts. Have you noticed that when someone finds joy, they really can't hide it? They want to share it with everyone else. The things that bring you joy are the things that you want to share with other people. And it's no wonder we find in Scripture that God was so eager to share this joy with the world. He was sending His Son into the world to be the Savior. The incarnation, the birth of Jesus Christ, God in human form, fully God and yet fully human. And that's the greatest gift that has ever been given you can, almost excite, you can almost sense God's excitement as he talks about the hope and as he let that build for hundreds of years. I could never wait that long to give a Christmas present. I'd be wanting to pull it out early, but Jesus came at the right time, at the time that was perfect as God's will was fulfilled. And not only did he fulfill that promise of hope, but he brought peace 
and joy and love through his arrival. If you're someone who likes to take notes, I know our students are getting near to the end of their semester, you're probably done with notes, but if you want to take notes in the bulletin, uh, there is an insert where you can write down some things. There's just a couple of main points this morning. The first one is that Jesus' birth is the source of joy. And again, we return to the book of Isaiah. The prophet speaks about this coming gift so many times. And Linda read for us uh, from chapter 40. This passage was written hundreds of years before its fulfillment. And it's one of God's most joyful promises about the future. I'm just going to reread the last couple of verses. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. When God speaks, he fulfills his promises. And here God is promising that there's a time of preparation before the birth of Jesus, before the sending of his son. He's going to get everything ready. There's going to be a straightening of every curvy road. The mountains are going to be brought down low, and the uneven ground leveled out so that there's nothing keeping the arrival of his son from happening. And this is going to ensure that God's glory appears to all people, to all flesh, all humans can experience the joy as God is sharing his son, the Messiah, who would take care of this world that's been broken by sin. Adam and Eve, all the way back in the garden, chose their own way instead of God instead of following him. And that put a rift in the relationship between all people for all of time. God had a plan. He was going to fix that. He was going to offer up his own son as a sacrifice to offer peace with people, to bring joy into their lives, to show his great love and to offer hope for the future. His glory would be revealed through his son. And the promise of the Old Testament is that the people would see this preparation taking place. God didn't want anyone to miss it because a miraculous birth was going to happen. No desert, no mountain, no valley, no rugged place could stand in the way of the revelation of the Christ, the Messiah, God's glory. This morning we come across another character in the narrative, the story of the nativity. His name is Zechariah. He's a priest. And like Simeon, he's serving in the temple of God, encouraging others in worship. Maybe Zechariah and Simeon knew each other. If you weren't here last week, we learned about Simeon meeting Jesus, or maybe two weeks ago. Scripture doesn't tell us whether they know each other or not, but they were serving in the temple in Jerusalem. And here, Zechariah is burning incense while the people are praying. It's a symbol of their prayers being lifted up to God and God experiencing their prayers. We're in Luke chapter 1. If you want to follow along, it'll also be up on the screen. Let me read verses 11 to 17 for you as we hear a little bit more about Zechariah. Zechariah. 
Did I read the other verses yet? No, I didn't. That's okay. So Zechariah is serving as a priest when it was his time. He was chosen to enter the temple and to burn incense while a multitude of people are praying outside. And here we are in verse 11. There appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. An angel appears before Zechariah. This was not an everyday occurrence, even though as we read different accounts in the Bible, it seems like it was common. If you count up the number of times that angels show up, it's not very many times. And every time someone is in the presence of an angel, the same thing happens. The angel says, what? Don't be afraid, fear not. What does that tell you that the angels look like? That their presence is awesome. It's fearful. You're standing before an angelic being, glowing and radiating, and everyone falls down or covers their face in fear. But the angel says, don't be afraid. Your prayers have been answered. We don't know how old Zachariah is, but we assume that he's older because he and his wife have been praying for years and years to have a family. And God is ready now in his time, in his timing, to answer that prayer. They will give birth to a son and they will name him John. And the angel said, he will be a joy and a delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth. This child will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's going to have certain vows that he's going to take a Nazarite vow, serving God all of his life. And that meant that he wasn't going to drink alcohol. He wasn't going to have his hair cut. He wasn't going to come in contact with dead bodies. His life was being lived on mission. He had something to do to prepare the way for the Lord. Clearly, this boy was special. Not everyone has an angel announcing the birth of their child. There's very few in scripture that we see. He's going to bring joy not only to his parents, Zachariah and Elizabeth, but to the whole world. Because of his life, many people would be brought back to God. His message would be to repent, prepare your hearts because the Lord is coming. Something wonderful is going to happen. And there's so many connections that we see between the Isaiah passage and this passage in Luke. A baby boy will prepare the people for the arrival of the Lord. The one crying out in the wilderness. John would be a joy because he was bringing the message that the Messiah is here, making way for his salvation to all the world. Our second point is that this joy 
is something we can experience as we share God's plan. Just like we want to share the excitement about Christmas or surprises that we have in store for people, when we know what God is doing, it's joyful for us to share that with other people. Some of the most joyful people are those who have experienced joy themselves because they want to share the good things that happened in their lives. The way that people talk about their relationship with God. And you may have some people in your life like this. Maybe it's a grandma or an aunt. Could be an uncle. But someone that just wants to keep telling you how great it is to know the Lord. And you may just get tired of hearing this. And you may think, why do they have to keep pushing their religion on me? But listen, if you're in that situation, here's someone whose life has been changed. Someone who has met Jesus Christ. Someone who has experienced joy and forgiveness. Someone who's experienced peace with God. And they want to share that with you. That shows you how much they care for you and how much they love you. So when you hear that, maybe this holiday season even, one of those people in your life who just wants to make sure that you know the Lord, know that they're sharing that because of the joy that's in their own hearts. Joy is a commodity that's often in short supply. Some of you may be feeling miserable in the midst of Christmas, and that's often the hardest time, when it looks like everyone around you has something exciting to celebrate. Maybe someone was engaged, or they're excited about going home, and you're not. You're staying right where you are. Or maybe you're still in a relationship that you're struggling with. Maybe you're heartbroken over sin in your life that you just can't seem to get past. Maybe things aren't going the way you expected in life. You're at a certain point and you thought things were going to be better by now. Things were going to get easier. Maybe you're feeling hopeless in the face of suffering, like there's just no end in sight. Maybe you got bad news from the doctor or a family member is ill and you're worried about them. Now is the time for finding joy and sharing Jesus with the world. What's one thing that you can sacrificially do to bring joy to those around you? How can your life be a beacon of hope because of your love for Jesus? Think about that. That was John's call for his life, and it's our call as well. Zachariah's response to this message from the angel came with a consequence. Listen to the next part of this passage, verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man. My wife is advanced in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Behold, you will be unable to speak. You will be silent until the days that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Even though Zechariah is there serving God in the temple, he hears this message and he just can't believe it. It's too late. We've been praying and praying and God, you're just not going to do this. Even standing before an angel who says, I stand in the presence of God, what I say is true. And Zechariah, because of his skepticism, is silenced until John is born. 
Even though good news comes in the flesh to rescue us, so many of us think that it's just too good to be true. I've waited too long and God hasn't come through. Our response, instead of doubting, should be to cling to God more and say, God, give me faith. Strengthen my hope. Let me believe this message from you. Let me believe that Jesus is the Son, that He is the Savior. When we're doubting, God says, come to me, and I'll encourage you in your faith. And then we want to share that with others. Listen how the story continues in verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Mary went to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Mary's also pregnant, as we know, and will soon give birth to a boy, and that boy will be named Jesus. Jesus and John grow up as cousins, and from the time that they were in their mother's wombs, they were connected by the Holy Spirit. Verse 41 says that baby John leaps for joy in Elizabeth's womb when his Messiah, still in Mary's womb, enters the house. How's that for a clear declaration of life beginning at conception? These baby boys, unyet born, recognize each other. And John is leaping for joy. Those of you that are moms know what that feels like. And dads, you're excited when you can feel the baby moving. John recognizes that he's in the presence of the Messiah, the one that he's going to be sent as a messenger for. Not only did they have life and identity, they were aware of each other. In our family, we had five pregnancies at the same time this year. Two of them, a boy and a girl, have already been born, and we have three more coming in the beginning of next year, including our second grandson. We're pretty excited about that. That brings excitement to a family. Five new grandchildren for my mom. Well, one of them's not my mom's side, but anyway, a lot of babies are coming this year, and we're pretty excited about that. There is joy in new life. And as we fast forward in John's story to the birth of this promised boy, the family is gathered together to share in this miraculous birth, and the time has come for John to be born. We're in verses 57 to 66 of chapter 1. Now the time came for Elizabeth to, be, to give birth, and she bore a son, just like the angel said, just like God promised. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zachariah after his father. But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is, named, is called by this name. So they made signs to his father. Here's early sign language. John Zechariah can't speak, and they're asking him if he knows what the son should be called. What does he want him to be called? He asks for a writing tablet, and he wrote down, his name is John. 
And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. A familiar discussion takes place. What is the baby's name? Usually a husband and wife are talking about that through the pregnancy, trying to decide who they're going to honor. But they've already been told, you shall name him John. Everyone expected him to be called Zachariah after his father. But just like the angel said, he shall be called John. Bible names have meaning. And the name John means graced by God. Or God has been gracious. Jehovah has brought you grace. This speaks volumes to the joy surrounding his life. The neighbors around them rejoiced. They knew that this child, this couple had been childless for so many years and they were excited with them. God has been gracious to Elizabeth and Zechariah, giving them a son. And God has been gracious because through John's life, the whole world would be prepared for the coming of the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ. Our third point as we wrap up is that joy comes from the grace of God. The relatives celebrating John's life, they knew that he was going to be special, and it says they wondered what was going to be so special about him. They were waiting as he grew and as he matured and became older. John's life was surrounded by joy because the Lord was gracious to his parents. The Lord was gracious to the entire world in bringing his own son, Jesus. And John had the incredible task of sharing that with everyone. The Messiah is here. We've been waiting for hundreds and hundreds of years. He's here. Get ready. Zechariah, as soon as his mouth is loosed, praises God and he rejoices. He's so excited that God has done exactly what he said he would. And everyone in the area is just waiting to see what's going to become of this young boy. The grace that covered John's life, the grace that brought a new life into the family of Zechariah and Elizabeth is the same grace that comes to us. And it always comes free of charge. We can't earn God's grace. Coming to church, doing good things, none of those are enough to take care of the problem that we have, the separation we have between us and God because of our sin. And the Bible tells us that we can't earn that grace. It's only because of God's great love, which he showed to us while we were still sinners. Not when we cleaned up our lives and get our act together. That's not what God's waiting for. He's reaching out to you today and saying, will you accept, accept this gift, this gift of Christmas? God's love, his forgiveness, peace with God. People should be excited when they receive this gift, and I hope you are. I hope you're still excited to tell other people. It's one of the most exciting days here at our church when we celebrate a baptism or we hear someone's testimony about how they accepted Christ as their Savior. God's greatest gift was sending his Son, Jesus Christ. And this morning, the greatest question for you is, have you accepted this gift? 
It's not, have you done enough good things to be right with God? It's not, is your family in the right position? Are they well-known enough? God doesn't look at any of those things. He looks at your heart and he says, I am offering you forgiveness. I'm offering you a relationship with me and I want you to receive that with great joy. If you've never done that, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then this Christmas you will be experiencing the joy of Christmas that others around you may have been celebrating. You just always wondered, what is it that makes that person so different? I would encourage you to come talk to me after the service today, or if you're watching online, contact me through the church. I'd love to talk to you about how you can know for sure that you have that relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Joy comes when we trust God's promises, when we trust him, when we choose joy instead of worry and despair. Instead of being disappointed with our immediate circumstances, we can choose God's joy through everything. He promises to never leave us or forsake us. And no matter how hard your day is today or tomorrow, God promises that he will be with you through all of those tough times. If you've already trusted him as your savior, are you someone that's known for displaying your joy? If you're not sure about that, ask your family, ask your friends, the people around you. Am I a joyful person? When I come into the room, is the room lifted up? Is it brightened a little bit? Or am I someone that only sees the downsides, that only sees the negatives? As believers, we have the greatest gift and we should be sharing that through our lives. I'm not saying you ignore everything around you and you just smile through it all. I'm saying deep down joy should just bubble over and should it flow to the people around you. What's one way that you can share that joy this Christmas? Think about it with your family, with your friends, the people you're gathering with. Maybe it's your neighbors, the person across the hall who doesn't seem to be having a, a joyful year. What can you share with them? And most importantly, can you share this gift of Jesus Christ? Mark's going to come and we're going to sing another song about joy. You'd thought there were none left, but there's still more joy to come. Bow with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this beautiful day that we could come together. Lord, I think of the people throughout the Midwestern part of our country who are struggling to find joy today. People who have lost loved ones, who have lost friends and neighbors. We know, Lord, that in spite of the great joy that you offered through your son, Jesus Christ, life is still difficult here. We face loss. We face difficulties and tragedies. And Lord, I just pray that in the midst of all of those things, that believers would turn their eyes and their hearts to you and know that you are still the source of joy. You are still the source of life. You give us peace and a relationship with you. And I pray, Lord, that especially this year, that we would share that message with those that are hurting around us. May God, the Father of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing in his Son, Jesus, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in joy. I pray this in the name of the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth. Amen.